The Moten Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moten Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moten Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. Director of Education and Public Programs. And I'm Leah Brown, Assistant Director of Education. The Moton Mailbag is a weekly listener question show. Each week we'll answer questions about U.S. history, African American culture, civil rights, and more. Feel free to submit your questions via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moton Museum. Or you can email us at info at motonmuseum.org. Today we have the esteemed honor of having a very, very special guest with us here in the studio. The one, the only, our managing director, Cameron Patterson. Cameron! Whoop whoop! I am so happy to be here and excited to uh, be a friend of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Long time listener, first time caller. Cameron, Leah, how, how, how is life? I mean, COVID certainly is still in very much a household term, although we might be in phase two by now, by the time this is released, of kind of reopening. But how, how is life? What things are you still having trouble finding in the store? So uh, I was able to get some toilet paper. Nice. So I feel like the demand is starting to catch back up. Yep. So I ordered some from walmart.com. And then ship right to the house. Uh, it took a few days, uh, but the only thing I'm not able to get still is cleaning supplies, yep. like Clorox, Lysol. Um, yeah. Luckily, I still got some in my arsenal, but um, you know it's really been tough for the museum yeah. uh, as we look to reopen. Yeah, I've only been able to find bleach, and I mean bleach is fine, but like. I don't want to use bleach on everything. No, but, uh, that's all I can find. I mean, but two months ago I couldn't find that, so I, you know, yeah. I think as it continues to progress, we'll gradually yeah. continue to start being able to find stuff again. But hand sanitizer, I, you know, you think I was asking something in Russian because it's like, huh, what? No, that's they buy it off the truck. I'm like, okay, well, you can't even stock it. The um, I've heard of some distilleries across Virginia. Mm-hmm that have um, utilized their resources to make hand sanitizer. Um, So I know a couple of museums that have had some success building up their arsenal um, with some of those supplies. So it's it's neat to see how businesses have shifted. Um, There's a business here in town called Yak Attack. Uh, They are known for making kayaks. the paddle boats and kayaks. And okay. They've been able to shift production to make some of the protective oh, face that's masks. Cool. That's that's awesome. cool. The um, that they've supplied to the hospital and other health based organizations. Yeah, I've enjoyed watching just seeing how different organizations have pivoted to help like supply this, these needs. It's been cool to see like People are doing printing masks. It's like what a thing. So it's just cool to see how the technology has changed yeah. and impacted it. For sure, for sure. Kimberly and I talked about this briefly last week, but what do you think is not going to come back or come back in a very 
very different way after the pandemic. Last week, I think we said buffets were pretty much canceled. You know, uh, I did have the opportunity to get a haircut earlier this week. Jealous. And um, (laughs) it's been neat to see how my barber has shifted his mindset Mm -hmm. um, as a result of all that's happening. So for him, appointments will become a thing moving forward, even as we um, hopefully move out of um, this at some point. You know, we talked about, though, that, you know, the whole idea of the barbershop, being able to gather and conversate with one another, it really is a place where you learn about what's happening in the community, you laugh, you joke. Um, Doing appointments is really going to shift that environment. But um, I think from a safety standpoint and just from the fact that people change in terms of what they need. So, you know, a lot of customers, he said, have embraced it because they're working uh, during the day. So to be able to know this is my time, I show up, I get cut, I leave. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll miss that barbershop chatter. Yeah. Yeah, and going off of that, my... Yeah, yeah, it's... (laughs) My hairdresser set out... A message this is from my hairdresser at home and it was just like this this is what we're doing these are our protocols no more than six people in the shop at once including them i'm just like so how am i going to know who and it's like you like you have the regulars and they come in and they have the banter yeah and that's part of like the experience for me is going like check in and see what's going on with people so I feel like uh, I have to take a day off work and sit in a shop all day and individually banter with each (laughs) person that walks through the shop. But, uh, you know, I've been pleased that my barber's taken this very seriously, very tight with the protocols. Um, You know, there's no guarantee in anything that you do, but it just gives you comfort when you see folks uh, taking it seriously. I dipped into Burger King the other day. I gave them a shout out because they're wearing their masks consistently. They're wearing their gloves consistently. So it's neat to see um, that we are finding ways to thrive and keep moving. On that same note, I do feel a lot better about food prep now than I probably ever have. Because the amount of uh, oversight on it now hygiene you know i feel you know she would go eat out in a heartbeat now although you know someplace you know, in the past i've been yeah. skittish because i'm a german phone i mean we know this now but <laughs> i know people are gonna be washing their hands many times gloves masks I'm, I'm all for it i'm all for it yeah it's um you know i always try to stick with the locally owned mm-hmm. uh eating options here in town, uh, especially during this season, to give them some extra support. And I feel like uh, they are finding ways to be creative uh, and to, you know, a lot of people embracing online delivery that might not have done that prior to this. Um, So, you know, I think we'll we'll get through it. It's going to still be tough. 
yeah, I, I do think we're going to be in a better place afterwards and after all this stuff is over. So I look forward to whatever that looks like in, in the very near future. So, well, so with that said, are we ready to get down to the questions? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Great. I think Leah's going to ask the first one and we will go ahead and knock them out. Okay. Tell us a story about visitor engagement. So, um, you, I think... You know, we engage with audiences of all ages, uh, different types of programs. And I think, you know, one of the things I like is working with older students and adults. Mm -hmm. Um, Just need to be able to take a deep dive and need to be able to see um, how they're able to kind of connect the moments and experiences that they get here with what's happening in real life. But one of my favorite programs has become the Virginia Children's Book Festival. So I love um, the hip hop and children's literature program that we've been able to partner on over the past couple of years. And so, you know, we are taking a book that has historic elements along with some, uh, hip-hop elements in terms of lyrics and content merging together, and we're able to introduce that to students. Um, And so the students have the opportunity to read a book, and it's been students here at Prince Edward County High School, and then they come into the museum, and they have the opportunity to engage with the author, to engage with a hip-hop group. Um, And so they're talking about the themes of the book, and then they're also putting together lyrics um, that they have written that really speak to the themes that they've learned about. Such a neat way to learn, uh, such a neat way to engage, um, and really a great experience for students that they might not have gotten otherwise. So uh, that's been a favorite moment for me over the past couple of years. Um, and it's something that we will look to continue for sure. Yeah, that is one of my favorite partnerships for sure with the VCBF and just the number of, and that's something else that will be probably different here in in this fall, but certainly we'll do our best to try to make sure that experience is still significant and meaningful for those students. But yeah, check out their music video. You should just be able to Google it and and find it, but you can find that music video that they, they made from last year's book festival you should just be able to Google it. Yeah, so this past year it was Tiffany Jackson, uh, the author of Let's Hear a Rhyme, uh, Malik 16, who is a uh, hip-hop artist and lyricist that collaborated with Tiffany Jackson for that book. Um, and then we had a special guest, uh, the Lady of Rage. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is a resident of Farmville, Virginia. Um, and so the students were very excited to have someone in their backyard uh, that they look up to, have respect for. Um, so it was a really special moment. Yeah, so the day, um, my first time meeting Lady of Rage, it was interesting to see how the students, when she like peeked around the corner like into her auditorium, one of the girls were like, oh, she's here, and like slapped her friend. I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. So it was like the energy changed. Um, and it's always good when you can incorporate hip hop within into education. 
part of like their conversation anyway. Yeah, I uh, ran into her the other week <laughs> in the CVS drugstore in the hair care aisle as I was uh, <laughs> looking for some products. Uh, how fitting is that with her uh, famed song, um, Afropuffs? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's deep. It's like one of those things where you are like, hi, <laughs> all nervously um, meeting someone that just kind of, you've seen them on television, you've heard their music, uh, but, you know, they're, a real live human being <laughs> living right in your backyard. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Leah? Story of working in visitor engagement, museum ed? Yeah. So, I'm chatty. I hired it well, but I am chatty. So, I like when visitors come in and they just want to talk. They want to further engage in the story, but they don't, like, maybe they ask a question or like my favorite is when they don't know how to ask a question. I'm like, all right, we'll put it all out there. We'll put it together and see what we come, what we come up with. So just being able to engage with visitors because they have their own background, their own understanding, and then you can add the moat version to that too. I like it. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's intimidating some aspects of the work we do. I feel like um, when you are giving a tour you know so I've given tours where Joan Johns Cobb's sister Barbara Johns has been a part of it Uh, Bob Hamlin former president of the museum one of our docents currently and you know when you do that alongside people that experienced it uh, people who are highlighted in the museum itself um, you know it kind of makes you you know, stop and kind of grasp the seriousness of what you're doing. And you just kind of got this desire to get it right, mm-hmm. to do right uh, by the sacrifices right. that they made. Absolutely. Well, you never know who's going to walk in the door. I mean, mm-hmm. congressmen, governors, lieutenant governors, senators. I mean, people just come in like, oh, yeah, hey, I was in the area. It's like, oh. All right. And so now you have to give a tour to the governor of the state or somebody running for vice president, you know, just casually. And it's just like, well, yeah. All right. Here we are. Pressure's on. How <laughs> memorable has it been in that regard? I mean, it's uh, our resident historian, Dr. Larissa Smith. She's had uh, Dorothy Davis, the lead plaintiff in Davis versus Prince Edward County, come into the museum un- unexpectedly. We're live. I can always cut it back. Kanan, you've had the opportunity to offer a tour to Senator Kane and Secretary Ann Holton during his um, campaign for the vice presidency. Um, we have had the opportunity to welcome Governor Northam and Lieutenant Governor Fairfax during their campaigns for their respective office. Uh, Ed Gillespie, who campaigned for the governorship um, during the uh, 2017. So, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, and you just never know who's going to walk through those doors. Um, That makes it exciting. uh, And it really is neat to see that Moton has become a place that, you know, folks want to visit. They want to learn and hopefully use the lessons 
learned to shape our commonwealth. Makes it exciting and sometimes rather terrifying. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you uh, always have to keep your game on. Mm-hmm. Um, always good to keep a shirt and tie. Yeah. Hanging in the office because um, you could go from putting up tables and chairs one day, uh, checking out customers in the bookstore to giving tours to high-ranking yeah. individuals. I'd only been in the job for like a month and a half, and then like Tim Kaine shows up oh, before wow. the BP yeah. debate. He's like, oh, we're going to get a tour. I'm just like, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> that was Moten put into a spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. In a way in which it hadn't been yeah. uh, since our inception as a museum. Um, so I applaud you to be able to step into that after only being on the job for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I applaud my heart for still working. <laughs> <laughs> I think my experience uh, was, was more recent. Um, uh, we did a collaboration with a local art museum, the Longwood Center for Visual Arts, LCBA for short. Um, for Martin Luther King Day, and back in December, which seems like an eternity ago now, um, I went into the classroom to kind of help these students get ready with what we were doing uh, in terms of an inaugural poetry contest. And so I did an activity with the students that I do from so often, is focusing on their values, um, and uh, and for them to kind of motivate them to, to enter this poetry contest. And so um, I do the activity, you know, don't think much else of it. I, you know, I come back to the museum and then they write their poems. And so in does in December, in January, late January, when we did the program, um, one of the kids who won was three winners of, you know, a gold, a silver, a bronze. Um, the guy who won gold said so the activity essentially was that you will down your values and eventually you're left with one your most important and he actually used that to as the title of his poem and as just kind of just the the the, the event that guided him writing the poem and ended up winning to me that was really cool and made me think wow kids do listen so i need to be really sharp and make sure i am uh always on my A-game, kind of like Cam said earlier, because they really are listening and they pick up more than you think. So that made me feel good because it was like, wow, he actually listened and he participated in activity in class that one time and that inspired him enough to write this poem into poem one. So to me, that was pretty cool and pretty recent. Although, what is time anyway, right? Because <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> Friday. No. It's, okay. it's kind of Friday for us now. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's not Fridays. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm. Close now enough. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. hey, we got a two-day weekend. Hey. Yay. Four-day weekend. Four-day weekend. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> two days off, four-day weekend. As you all can tell, we laugh a lot here at Moton, which is a very, very good segue into the next question. Ten stars. All right. Um, on a five-star scale. What is a time that you laughed very, very hard or laughed the hardest when you've been working here at Moton? Right. Leah's laughing now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I promise I'm a professional. I'm all uh, sometimes am serious. I promise. Honestly, we're humans, though. Yeah. <laughs> Getting to know the staff, like I have laughed so hard I cried before here. Um, and if you know me personally, that that happens. It it's a fact. It happens. Like 
the other day we were just chatting and it was just like this is a great conversation but to segue to like a work event we had a group come from New York State and just the conversation we had was tremendous it was just an honest and open conversation it was great and like to be able to laugh with visitors this is not an easy history it is not an easy conversation to have sometimes but to be able to be open and honest and to share laughter and make such a difference. It was a great experience. I, hmm. I had it, wait a minute, now I'm blanking, hold up. <laughs> kids, yes, I love messing with kids. I think it's the funniest thing in the world to do because kids are, some, are gullible sometimes. Um, and I don't mean like mess with kids, mess with kids. I mean just like lighthearted stuff. So like for instance, I broke my arm twice in nine months between 2016 and 2017, 2015, 2016, something like that. And so I've got this rather long scar on my arm. And kids, if you have kids, if you've been around kids, they don't care. They'll ask anything. It does not matter. And so they come up and they ask me what happened to my arm. And it, I just find it hilarious coming up with the most ridiculous stories to tell them of what happened to my arm. Um, the most common one usually is that there was a beached shark and I cut my arm on its tooth, throwing it back into the ocean. Uh, some believe me, most do not, but I don't tell them what actually happened either way. And so they're just like, man, <laughs> to me, that's always pretty funny. Um, kids have no concept of age whatsoever. And so it is hilarious just telling them, Mr. Townsend, how old are you? 45. No, uh, you're right. I'm 46. They're like, oh man, no way. That's how old my dad is. My mom's a hundred. You know, like they'll just be like, <laughs> no concept of age whatsoever. Like our docents or volunteers will be with us. They'll ask, how old are you, Mister Such and Such and So and So? He'll be like, I'm 50. You know, he'll, how old do you think I am? And they're like, 50. And they're like, thanks. You know, because they are into their 80s probably. So, um, just playing little little jokes on kids and. and most of them are good sports about it. Um, and the older ones, I might tell what actually happened. But it's pretty funny just kind of messing with messing with them a little bit. Because they ask every, like, everything. Like, out. does anybody have any questions? Hands up. That don't have to deal with going to the bathroom. Hands back down. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the kids are funny. Mm. I love the kids. I love the kids who come to the museum. What about you, Cam? Uh, I got two moments. Um, so, typically in a museum you become mortified when kids want to um, touch things and, um, you know, horseplay in the galleries. But, um, you know, I bust out laughing. I was in gallery three. I was rounding the corner uh, with the portrait of the Supreme Court. And I see this kid climbing on oh. the Supreme Court columns oh, no. that we have and uh, the teacher's with me and the teacher says to the kid get off of there and I couldn't help but to <laughs> but to laugh like it's just one of them things where after a, you know, a long day of giving tours to multiple school groups it was just a laugh that was probably needed uh, by myself and those around me uh, that joined in. So um, I don't condone playing <laughs> on museum property, but <laughs> in that moment, uh, I couldn't help but laugh. Uh, also, you know, the 
the thing about kids not knowing age, uh, I had a kid one time I was presenting with our docent, Mr. Bob Hamlin, and uh, he was telling his experience about the school closings. And after he was done, uh, a kid raises his hand and asks me if I was locked out of schools. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. Um, 32 <laughs> years of age. I graduated in 2005. Um, but I'm a little mad that you uh, think I'm <laughs> an old man. So, in, in hindsight, I guess this is super silly of a question. But I have had a lot of kids ask me, how about, did I, do I know Barbara Johns? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of those. And uh, one or two interesting souls asked me did I go to school with Barbara and I was like mm, it, don't, oh. it don't work now the knowing Barbara Johns yeah that yeah, one's that, you know because a lot of folks don't realize right. when she passed away right. um, and the fact that we do yeah. know her siblings and um, have you know interacted with her children right um, but yeah it's there's never a dull moment I, I'm very fortunate you know in this job at least a couple of times a day, you're going to laugh about something, mm-hmm. whether it's something yeah. weird and crazy that we've done being in the office with one another or something that um, you saw or heard uh, being with a visitor. Um, it's a mix for a good day. I just thought of this as we were talking about visitors and one of course people want to come and take pictures because that's the thing people do if you didn't take a picture it didn't happen right and so I always think it's hilarious for me because we work in a civil rights museum to when they are gonna they ask me to take a picture for them you know how like when people say count to three say you know say cheese or pickle or whatever they say or make a silly face or something like that right I just say random civil rights things when on three I'm like one two three say separate but equal like what and then they're like laughing because of I just said something so like outlandish compared to what they normally take pictures with um, and so yeah uh, I just think that's always hilarious I have been known to say that <laughs> if I'm if we're out dining uh-huh. and the bill comes and I'm in the midst of a group of folks <laughs> you do do that often I enjoy um, it crack yeah. up we have to, I mean, laughing makes you live longer and, improve, and you know, improves your immune system, you know, so laughter is very, very important. We advocate for laughs, but not for climbing on our we'll, exhibit. We will live long. Yeah. And prosper. And prosper. <laughs> yeah. yes. Beat me to it. <laughs> All right, Lee, I think it's on you now. Okay. Okay. Describe Moton using one word. This one's always tough. Mm-hmm. I would say community. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that you interact with and the importance that this institution holds in our local community um, really inspires, is inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, we often say we are one part national treasure and one part community resource. And so not only is this a place where you can come and learn about history, but it's also a place that brings people together. Um, Our space is often used for 
dance recitals and community gatherings and people know that Moton is a central place uh, within this community. Absolutely. And I hope that's a identity that we we never lose. I absolutely agree. And since you said that, that takes away a word that I don't have to think about as much, which is good. So I'm going to go with resilience. Um, I think it is universal um, in terms of like lessons, right, that you can get from, from the Moton School story. But resiliency is something that's so important all, all the time. Um, I think just the, the grit, the resilience of these students in this community to do what they did I mean, I think it's absolutely commendable. I think it's incredible. And I think it's it's left a, a very strong legacy. Um, yeah. That's all I got. I had something else, but I'm like, nope, that actually yeah. sums it up. That's pretty good. So the word I initially thought of was just home. Like, mm-hmm. people in this community come to Moton for, to learn, for events, like, attended a birthday party here. Like it's it's the community's home to me. It's where they talk about the strike and then that celebration, but also the tragedy of the schools being locked out, being closed. So you have like the aspect of this is the gathering space. This is the home for the community. That's what I take from it. Oh Farmville's living room. Basically. Hmm. That actually doesn't sound too terrible. Yeah. Put that on a bumper sticker. There it is. Farmville's <laughs> <laughs> living room. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the birthplace of the student-led civil rights movement in Farmville's living room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's a testament to those who were getting this place organized. I mean, from the Martha Forrester Council of Women yeah. to the eventual board. They wanted this space to be partially what it used to be. You know, they didn't want this to just be a place where people can come and go on tour this was the auditorium right next to where we're recording this at, right? They were doing dance recitals, they were doing musicals, they were doing theater plays, you know, they were doing things that you would do in a school. And so I think a big part of that was that they wanted to keep that spirit of that going. Um, 80 years after it was initially initially built, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of continuing that in that regard. Although sometimes it results in our curtains getting torn and things like that but that's okay you know because we're <laughs> we're flexible and we have insurance yes insurance is a <laughs> there <beautiful> it is <laughs> <laughs> all right last question but could be a long one and that is okay because this is a special episode um and the season finale spoiler alert um what is your long-term vision for moat don't all answer at once so, um, you know, I, our mission has been um, pretty much set in stone since our inception uh, as a place that interprets and preserves and promotes the civil rights history of Prince Edward County. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's that piece that we added to our mission a couple of years ago that talks about Moton being a place that advances dialogue um, of importance. And I think that, you know, in the times in which we live, uh, when our country and communities across the country have become fractured, um, 
you know, I, I think Moton can be and should be a place where we, you know, talk about, you know, ideas related to citizenship and um, how to be civically engaged. And, um, you know, I, I think we've got some lessons in terms of the students that make that uh, possible. Good when you are. I also want to um, see Moton be a place that engages the next generation um, in these conversations, in terms of learning about history, in terms of using that history to advance and better their communities. And that's why I'm excited for the museum to partner with a new initiative called Made By Us. Uh, it is an initiative bringing together museums and cultural institutions across the country as we work to connect with young um, students, uh, as we share the ideals of citizenship and democracy. Um, and I'm really excited because I really do believe that Moton speaks to that in a powerful way. Um, this story is about young folks using the tools of a constitutional democracy to bring about change. Uh, they did it through the court system. Um, and so I'm excited that we can help to promote what it means to be a good citizen and be civically engaged. Good. My vision for Moton is it for it to be a civil rights center for it to be a place where students come to engage with what previous um, student activism has looked like, how it could be applied to their own experience, because things are happening in their community, to kind of give them the tools to help them to be activists, to be comfortable saying something, but also like the reality check, there are consequences too, so to provide resources for those students. It's a goal. Awesome. I... My answer can be summed up in four words. I want a movie, not a documentary. Yeah. I want a feature film, The Hidden Figures Treatment. You don't really need somebody to write this big, long, fancy script because the story itself is already compelling enough. Call Steven Spielberg, call M. Night Shyamalan, call Jordan Peele. I don't care if it's a horror movie. I want a movie, feature film, The Hidden Figures Treatment, so that way... I just feel like that's the easiest way to expose the story to the masses. And I think the what we'd reap from that would be bigger than than almost anything else. Um, just because the availability, even if it's like a Netflix movie or whatever, it's like a feature film about the Milton School story. Heck, you can call it the Milton School story. Done. TM, right? Like, And then ditto what Leah and Cam said, but for, for me, I think if we could get a movie, that would put us on an absolutely unreal next next level I think so yeah so that is a wrap for this episode it seems like thanks again to Cameron for joining us for the season finale this is a little bit different than we initially intended but we decided that a season format will work best so the first season this one will have 10 episodes and then we'll hope to start recording a season 2 hopefully somewhere in the fall so with that being said Next episode of Moton Mailbag will be next season, hopefully here in the fall. 
You can find us wherever podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.com, Google Play Store. Just look up the Milton Mailbag. Keep sending us your questions, please, all of our social media platforms, or email us at info at MiltonMuseum.org. I've been Kanan. She's been Leah. Thank you so much for making this podcast great. Bye. Thank you for listening.